0: Do you want a politically incorrect gateway to a real history education? Then go to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. The Brian McClanahan Show, Episode 172. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan, and of course, subscribe to my YouTube page, at Brian McClanahan. You can also help support The Brian McClanahan Show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. You can enroll there for free, and all those that enroll in McClanahan Academy will get the discounts on future courses. I will have another course coming out in September, Uh, and of course, uh, I've got four classes there, one on the war one on the Declaration of Independence, one on Secession, and one on Alexander Hamilton. So if you purchase those classes, you do help the Brian McLanahan Show. But again, it's always free to enroll, and those that do will get the best deal. So go on out and do that. All right, well, let's talk about the topic for the week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Time Magazine produced an issue called the South Issue. And uh, I saw an article in this uh, particular issue online before it was released by David French. So I want to talk about that particular article, and then there's a a couple other uh, pieces in there that I want to briefly touch on, because it all is wrapped into one particular idea. Normally, I do Southern stuff on the Abbeville Institute podcast. If you have not tuned into that podcast, just go out to abbevilleinstitute.org, and you can find that podcast. And that one actually has an app. Uh, If you get the Abbeville Institute app, it comes through on that. But uh Normally, I save my Southern stuff for that, but I don't know if I'm going to write anything on this. So I want to talk about it here because I think it's important. Um, And I think it's important because of several reasons. One, just what happened a couple of days ago in North Carolina when a bunch of, quote-unquote, protesters tore down the Silent Sam statue at the University of North Carolina and of all the things that have happened, of all the iconoclasm uh, that's, that's taken place in the United States in the last few years, the statues being taken down in New Orleans, the situation in Virginia, of all the things that have gone on with Confederate statues, this one I think was the most egregious. And of course there was another Confederate statue torn down in North Carolina. Uh, the people that did that were arrested eventually, and, but then released. Um, And we've seen vandalism of statues, but this one, I think in many ways, was the worst. Number one, because this particular statue was erected um, in honor of the students who went to the University of North Carolina who died in battle during that particular war. The students, not just some—it wasn't a statue to Robert E. Lee or Beauregard or Jefferson Davis— it was a, stat- a statue to the students themselves who attended UNC who died in that war. And the police at the University of North Carolina were told to stand down, do nothing about the potential assault on the statue. And, of course, it was dragged down. Um, and so this is a statue to the common soldier. And I think in many ways, and in, in what happened here, of course, in that research triangle there in North Carolina. It's its really lost the the culture, the character of the South. And so to have that happen in the South is its unprecedented. Um, and there's been a lot of pressure and a lot of discussion about this particular statue. Uh, there's been, of course, protests there all the time. Um, and it's remarkable that this even goes on. Now One of the things that people have focused on is one of the speeches that was made during this particular, under the unveiling of the statue, where there were some racist comments made. Uh, But that was the general attitude of Americans overall in 1900. You wouldn't find very many people in 1900 that didn't hold these same type of views when it came to race. Now, uh, that does not take away from the intent of the statue, which was to honor Confederate dead. You see, the two aren't the two aren't linked together. What one person says of a statue, or even an unveiling of a statue, has nothing to do with the intent of the statue and why it was erected. Um, it, it's, the two things don't go together, and there's been a lot of work done on this. Of course, the those on the left would say, well, of course it means that these two things are together. Uh, but that's not the case at all. So I don't want to focus on the statue itself, but I do want to talk about this idea that we even need a magazine dedicated to the South. This was in the South issue. It shows, in particular, that there is still this perspective in America that the South is some type of specimen that needs to be examined under a microscope, that it's the odd. The South is the odd. But if you study enough American history, you'll find that the South isn't the odd. It's just that it's the easy whipping boy, so to speak, for everything that's quote-unquote wrong in America. The left really punishes the South because of its culture, its long-standing culture that goes all the way back to the 17th century that's influenced by the cavaliers who came over, the Celts who came over. So, primarily, when you look at the dominant cultures in the South, those British folkways, which David Hackett Fisher has so nicely discussed in his book Albion Seed. But you, you have this particular culture that's always under assault by those from the outside looking in. And um, that's the thing that I think is curious about modern America. And again, this happens not just, it happens all the time. Academics do it. The media does it. uh, People outside of the South do it all the time. And so you have this South issue. And there are several articles in this. One One I found very odd is an article written by a woman, uh, an African-American woman, who said she was going back to a place that hates her. She was going back to Mississippi. And I find that uh, an odd statement to make. Certainly, the racial violence that took place in the South, in the uh, postbellum period, uh, when you look at the uh, unjust and illegal lynchings that took place, uh, and, and things of that nature, Those were horrible things. No one would deny that today in particular. Uh, But to say that a whole state or a whole group of people hates somebody, particularly in the South, when you look at the fact that most African Americans today live in the South, and it's always been that way. There's this perception that for some reason African Americans don't live in the South. Uh, It's it's mind-boggling to me. Uh, when you look at, for example, uh, Booker T. Washington, who wrote very famously in the uh, early 20th century that he hoped the South would erect more Confederate statues uh, dedicated to people of the best people of the Southern population, more Confederate statues. This is Booker T. Washington saying we should, and, and he supported Confederate statues to good Southerners. That was the idea. So, what's changed? Well, number one, I think one of the things that's changed, of course, that postbellum period did upset some things. One of the things that's changed, I think, is uh, the idea, and it's it's always been this way, that somehow the South had to be remade. And that even Southerners themselves, many of them, accepted this. The South had to be remade. And so I'm going to focus on three of the pieces in this particular magazine. Because they get into this, I mean, it's it's, it's uh, an interesting position, but they get into this. The South had to be different, and it had to take the North to tell the South how to be different. I remember I had an email exchange with um or a uh, an email exchange with an author, and I've talked about the book, um, it's a uh, Forest Neighbors, and he said he loved the South, but he wanted the South to understand it needed to change. The South needed to change, and it needed people like Forest Neighbors. And Forrest Neighbors is right on a lot of things outside of his position on the South, but he needed the they needed the Southerners needed other people to tell him how to live properly. He wanted to save the South from himself. He wanted the South to be more Republican. And that's a funny position to take because when you look at Southerners, I just wrote an article this week for the Abbeville Institute on Jimmy Carter, and I took a lot of heat for this article. I wasn't Praising Jimmy Carter's policies or his politics, I did point out a couple of areas where I think Jimmy Carter gets a bad rap. But the reason I wrote that particular piece is because Jimmy Carter was a Republican with a lowercase r. The way that he conducted himself in the executive mansion, the way that he conducted himself in Washington, D.C., was purely Republican. It was Jeffersonian, walking to his inaugural, refusing to have hail to the chief played, carrying his own luggage, the way that uh, he simply just went home when, the, when his time in Washington was over, the way that he viewed the executive branch, it should have been downgraded. It wasn't going to be this uh, American monarchy. That's very Republican in the old Jeffersonian tradition. So to say the South needed to somehow be different than it was ignores the entire swath of Southern history when the South was the most Republican section in America. It was the driving factor behind republicanism. And certainly, southerners failed at these things sometime. The south is not perfect, but it was humanely imperfect. You see. And so, yes, there are bad things in southern history. There are things that um, are not not palatable today. But I want to talk about the first piece is... uh, by David French. Now, David French is a neocon's neocon. This is a guy that uh, wants to bomb everywhere in America and the world. Um, he's condescending. He's uh, an individual that really doesn't like Trump supporters. Um, I I would I would venture to guess that he believes that they are deplorable, just like Hillary Clinton called them. Uh, he is though from the South. And so Time Magazine invited Southerners to write in this particular magazine, and and supposedly he's a bona fide conservative. So they needed to have some people that were quote-unquote conservative write, like Joe Scarborough, in this particular magazine. So they didn't want to sound too biased, I guess. They got some quote-unquote conservatives in here, but to call David French a conservative is to miss the entire point of conservatism. And one of the things that French misses from the beginning, he calls the South an idea. The South is not an idea. The South has never been an idea. It's always been a real, tangible thing. Southern culture is not an idea. You see, to people like French, it's all ideological. And he actually says this. He says, The idea of the South is very important to the people of the South, and it has been for a very long time. Wow. How profound. But to say that there is an idea of the South, that it's not a real thing that Southerners are grappling with, is to miss the entire history of the South. When you look at all the things that the South is well known for, it is a real tangible culture. It's a real tangible culture that has produced real tangible cultural things like music and Southern cuisine and Southern art. Notions of Southern Republicanism. These are tangible things. It's not something that's just fabricated and that exists in thin air and people pull it out of thin air to make it work. Hospitality. These were real things that went that have cultural basis. Not just something that's an idea. And basically what he's saying in this entire piece is all that stuff is just out there in the air, and that Southerners really don't live this way anymore, uh, but yet they have to act a certain way. Southerners are not, uh, there's no real culture behind it. I mean, this is the point I think he's trying to make in this. And the title of the piece is Drawing for Votes. In other words, Southerners have to show their bona fides, he calls it, to get elected, even if they're not very Southern. Now, part of this is due to the fact that you have a large number of people moving into the South who aren't from the South. You do have a large influx of people coming in from outside of the South into places like Charleston, South Carolina, and of course North Carolina. We see what happens when that takes place, and the research triangle there, and Florida, of course, and Texas. You have large numbers of people moving into the South who aren't from the South. Now, some of these people want to be in the South because they like the culture that's there, and they want to be part of it, but others think they're going to the south because of the weather and the climate and the sunny disposition and it's just going to be great but yet what they don't understand is they're bringing where they're from with them and changing it and all that stuff that they really want to be part of is all going away because you see that stuff was real and tangible and when you outvote those people and outnumber the real tangible culture that's there you distort it and change it so I want to read a couple of passages from this particular David French article and talk about how he's so wrong. So he says, quote, in 2018, the South sees itself as economically advanced, but culturally traditional. It's proud of its industri- industry excuse me, and technology, but it's also proud of its faith and its families. The majority of the people don't hunt or fish or farm, but they feel connected to people who do. A Tennessee lawyer may never leave a paved road, but he'll drive a truck that can haul hay. Even people who don't own guns value the South's gun culture. They may not have a firearm, but they will not tolerate a government that restricts their ability to defend themselves. So first of all what he's saying here is, again, that all of this stuff, all this Southern culture is just not really, really. The majority of people don't hunt or fish or farm. Well, it is true that the majority of Southerners don't farm anymore. But I would probably say that there's close to a majority or maybe even a majority of people that in the south that do hunt and fish that still do it all the time farming no the economy of the south has changed this is something that the agrarians pointed out in 1930 when the economy of the south changed the south would start changing and i think you do see that taking place in the south people like french and some of the others in this article would praise that as being a positive step forward People like the agrarians would say this is a disaster. And he says, quote, that's the idea of the South in 2018. The idea of the South. In other words, the South really doesn't exist anymore. It's just an idea. I find that disturbing. I'll use their terms. I'm disturbed. Not just that, stupid. I find that stupid because the South really does exist real Southerners with a real culture all over the place. And it's not because they're told to believe this way or because they listen to, Ru- listen to Rush Limbaugh or read David French. It's because this is how they were brought up. This is how they were reared. Uh, you, you, it's, it's not something that's in the air. It's in the family. And, and it's a real tangible thing. Southerners love God. They respect the traditions of faith and family, including manners and respect for elders. Southerners are connected to the land. They despise elitism. They're suspicious of government but not averse to, to its help. And they are definitely proud of their of their region and its way of life, even if its day-to-day reality is no longer so distinct. Now I would I would question that. It is distinct. The South still is a distinct section of America. Now, you could say that it's being worn down, that Southern culture is always under assault. It's not under assault because Southerners are doing that. It's under assault because people are moving into the South and people like David French are telling them that they're not distinct anymore. He says, ideologically, it's a mess. Culturally, it's coherent. So Southerners are somehow ideological. It's not a mess ideologically. The culture creates what people think, and how they vote. There is political culture in the South dating back 400 years. Make no mistake, the idea of the South has changed, mainly for the better, he says, over time. For generations, the idea of the South revolved around race. While there were other important aspects of Southern culture, maintaining racial separation and subjugation was at the top of the list. That was the South of the Confederacy. That was the South of Jim Crow. But that is that's probably the most stupid statement he writes in the entire thing. This is David French virtue signaling. Uh, see, I can be just like these Twitter historians and say, well, I know the South was bad uh, because I because it was that was race was the dominant factor. It's funny because when you look back into the early twentieth century, and I know I talked about uh lynching and other things at the beginning of this podcast. I do that, not to virtue signal, but just to talk about, well, the South had these things. They were unfortunate. But that's not what defined the South. When you look back into the early 20th century and some of the music that was being written and produced by Northerners, and I wrote a a piece on this, Anything is Nice if it Comes from Dixieland, you look at the music that's produced, they're not talking about racial subjugation in these songs. They're not talking about Jim Crow. They're talking about sunny people and food, nice climate, uh, beautiful women. These are the things they focused on, a leisurely atmosphere. Because uh, when you had, for example, the Happiness Boys in New York City writing that they'd they'd rather be alone in the South than be with people in New York, that's what they're talking about. It had nothing to do with the racial characteristics of the South. It had everything to do with what the people there were like. And also, this was the dominant opinion of the South in the early 20th century, when all these Confederate statues were being erected. This is what people thought about things. They thought the South was a wonderful place to be. It was a, a, a great place to go and visit, or even live, because of the people there. They were good people. And so to say that the South was the only unifying factor of the South was race and racial subjugation is to miss the entire history of cultural history of the South. David French supposedly, they they appointed him to, you know, gave him the the option of writing this article because he's, he's supposedly Southern and he understands the South. He doesn't understand it one lick. Doesn't understand it at all. Uh. And so this is the point, you see, this is where he comes out and misses that cultural cohesion in the South. He says culturally it's coherent, but then he believes it factors into ideology and that somehow ideology is what's always defined the South. No, it's always been culture that's defined the South. Always been culture. And the idea of the South, there was never an idea Of the South, it was always a real, tangible place and a real, tangible thing. So he gets into the fact that you know Southerners, uh, you know, if they have to, they have to run for office in the South. They got to drive a truck, they got to shoot a gun, they got to do these type of things, because that's going to signal to Southerners they're more Southern. In other words, the South has to be a character of itself, caricature of itself. Uh, But this is just wrong. The reason that people do this and the reason people in the South like these things is because this is what they do. They want people that are like them. That's it. And uh, the in general impression you get is that Southerners, by David French, are just still all racist people. But they're making progress. In fact, if you go to the next article that I want to talk about by John Meacham. Now, John Meacham is also from the South. He attended the University of the South. Um, he's written several best-selling books, uh, he's been a uh, popular magazine editor, uh, he's, he's a pretty uh, pretty important guy in the leftist uh, sphere, and he's uh, written for Time magazine quite a lot. And so, what's funny are the dichotomies that John Meacham writes. First of all, he's writing an article praising people moving into the South to change it. That's the point of his, of his article. Hey, hey, people that are not like the South move down here and change the South. This is what we should do. And he says, uh, <laughs> you know, Yankees are helping change the South for the better. Uh, he says, easy to caricature but difficult to categorize with care. The South is home to the blues and the clan, like these things are a dichotomy, the blues and the clan, to burgeoning civil rights memorials and neo confederates like, those things are somehow a dichotomy. Uh, that you can't have Confederate memorials without, and the people that would like Confederate statues would not like Civil Rights memorials. And I, I point to Ben Jones in a piece he wrote uh, yesterday, Silent Sam and Me, where Ben Jones was, uh, I mean, he marched in the Civil Rights Movement, but he loves Silent Sam. Ben Jones is Cooter from the Dukes of Hazzard. He loves that. There's no dichotomy there. These things are, I mean, to him, it's one and the same. And there were a lot of Southerners that thought that way back in the sixties and the seventies. Jimmy Carter is a Southern leftist, a Southern liberal. Uh he said that the South, when there was discussion over the Georgia flag, state flag, that he said Georgia needs a Confederate flag. If you go back and watch when he came home from uh Washington, DC, when he was uh out of office. The band played Dixie the entire time. He was always around Confederate flags. It's a picture of Jimmy Carter and Walter Mondale standing in front of a Confederate flag. He's at Confederate monuments. I mean, this is a guy that said, you know, this, uh, these things are fine. Now, I know he said that uh, you know, the symbol should be retired back in 2015, but he also said that he didn't believe it was racist. But because certain people didn't like it, maybe they should take it down. So Jimmy Carter has been comfortable with these things his entire life. So these things aren't, there's not a dichotomy there. The blues and the Klan being separated. Uh, When you had people like Lead Belly who wanted to be a country music artist. (laughs) This happened all the time. Southern music is a mixing of uh, the various peoples in the South. It didn't matter who you were as long as you played good music. And it happened all the time. So it, it, takes, it takes away from the history of the South an understanding. And again, Meacham just simply doesn't understand old Southern culture. Uh, to deep faith and terrible violence, to great affluence and unspeakable poverty. Perhaps it's the heat, but for some reason, Southerners are given to extremes, and we can see vivid manifestations of these elements that are shaping American life at large in the 21st century. Uh, now, he taught. He, he said he had, his concluding sentence was, I think, shocking. He says, "At which point a newly enlightened South may rise again, as a force not for ill but for good." Just to simply say the South has been a force of ill ignores again the entirety of Southern history. Was it not the South that was a driving force? in the American War for Independence. Well, we have the Declaration of Independence without the South. How about the Constitution? How about four of the first five presidents? And then you could carry that out. And then you had Jackson, who Meacham wrote about. Uh, you had several Southerners. You had James K. Polk. I mean, the most the most important Supreme Court justice in the early Federal Republic was a Southerner. John Marshall, We can we can disagree with John Marshall's positions, but he was a Southerner and the South dominated the government. The South dominated the government for the first 80 years of American history. Was it a force for ill then? Was it a force for evil? Or was it the driving force in what made America? He says that, you know, perhaps more people should visit in the South, visit civil rights monuments and wear Make America Great Again hats. Uh, The two things aren't exclusive. This is where People like Meacham and people like uh, French, they just don't get it. They're supposedly from the South and they understand the South. They just don't get it. And why I find this particular magazine uh, issue so troubling. You have Walter Isaacson writing a piece in here. And Isaacson, of course, is from Louisiana. He's written several important biographies saying that um, it was New Orleans. He was He was taken with New Orleans Integrating and his father uh, working for Andrew Young, and how this was somehow odd. When you look at the history of New Orleans, it was all about integration, in the antebellum period in particular. uh, You had large numbers, for example, of African American slaveholders in New Orleans. These these people have no anchor when they start talking about Southern history. Them Southern history simply is uh, the violence of the Civil Rights era. And Jim Crow. That's all the South is. And when they look at the Confederacy and they look at Southern history before that, it's still the same thing, just uh, under a different name. And so it's taken the North Yankees to rescue the South from itself. It's taken people like Meacham and Isaacson and French to rescue the South from itself. The South has to be rescued from itself. It doesn't matter now if you're on the left or the right, quote-unquote right, if you're a neoconservative. This is what you think. The South has to be rescued from itself. It's just simply preposterous. Uh, when I was, I uh, had a friend of mine say, you know, the, the, in the South, individuals always got along well. And this is what Ben Jones said, too. Individuals always got along well. It was when you, groups could have problems, but individuals always worked together well in the South, regardless of race. They always did. The South was more integrated than the North, even during the height of segregation at times. Uh, You did have white and black southerners, even during segregation, around each other, mingled together. Uh, I mean, you had uh, very intimate relationships in the South between white and black southerners. You still had uh, black nannies taking care of white families. That is intimacy in a way that northerners did not have. So to say that, you know, somehow... I mean, people have this impression everything was separated, it wasn't it wasn't, and yes, there was terrible violence and uh, there were things that happened in the South that shouldn't have happened in the south people Southerners should have known better not to do these things to each other, and that is a tragedy. it's a part of a tragic it's a tragic part of southern history, but to say it defined the idea of the South is to get the entire South wrong. There was never an idea of the South, it was always a real tangible thing, and so uh, I think one of the things that needs to happen, one of the reasons why these Confederate statues are being torn down and uh, Southern culture is under attack and why you have a Southern issue is because people firmly believe that there is an idea of the South and that the South is not a real tangible place. And all that is, and all that, what that's doing is creating the climate that's going to result in the destruction of monuments, not just Confederate monuments. I mean, George Washington was a slaveholder. Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder. Andrew Jackson was a bad guy. These people are going to be under attack, too. They already are. They're already under attack. And what's going to happen 20 years from now, when this message keeps resonating around social media and other things, that all these things have to change, what's going to happen 20 years from now when those things are under assault? Because it's, they already are coming under attack, but it's it's not mainstream yet, but it will be. I mean, we've had James Madison High School changed in Wisconsin. These things will happen. It's just a matter of time. So where do you draw the line? One statue is okay, but one statue is not. One memorial commemorating uh, a, a, uh, a group of people uh, that had views on race that may have been different from our own, or that are different from our own today, uh, is okay, but one other group of people is not. I mean, are we going to take down the Lincoln Memorial? For example, is that going to come down because Abraham Lincoln had views that were not in line with the 21st century? Is that going to happen? I don't think so because that person is okay because, well, he saved the Union or whatever the case may be. But these people are not because we don't like them. You see, this is what it comes down to. It's all opinion. Uh, Now, (laughs) uh, one person pointed out to one of these Twitter historians that... um, Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, and Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt had positive things to say about uh, Robert E. Lee. And the response from this Twitter historian who actually teaches at an Ivy League school is, well, he loves Franklin Roosevelt. He said, well, uh, yes, but Franklin Roosevelt was just wrong. So this is an opinion. It's an opinion. That's all it is. It's an opinion. So we're basing our actions on opinion. The trend of the day are these people are just wrong and evil and they should be removed. The South needs to be reformed. The South needs to be made better. The South can be a force of good, not ill, only if enough Yankees move into the South to make a change and that the South changes itself. That's the only thing that can happen. The South has to change. Uh, and so this is the problem with, I mean, why we have Southern studies programs, the South has to be studied as a specimen, when in reality the entire United States was much more representative of, of the South and the South itself in a lot of different ways. These things that the South is pegged for were not just Southern positions; they were American positions in the early twentieth century. And uh, it's the real culture that's always driven the South, not some ideology. So I found these articles interesting. If you have a chance to pick up the the magazine, you might want to do it and read these yourself if um, you can find it. But otherwise, um, it's it's a nice indicator of what's going on in America. And how the South is still seen as the uh, odd other that needs to be somehow studied and reformed in America. I'll see you next time on the Brian McClane.